So how do we have the best year ever? I mean, it's a pretty good question, but it's a daunting task to start the year off. How do we have the best year ever? Well, let's go back to a text that Ryan read a little earlier, but in verse five, it says this, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. The vine, the branches. Now watch this, the vine is Jesus, the branches are us, and those who remain, meaning consistent, live with me, I and them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, read that for me, nothing. nothing. Now, the, the beauty of this is knowing that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, but it doesn't mean we're not doing things. It just means we're not doing th- something that's best. D- it, the scripture is not saying, apart from me, you're, you're literally not doing a blessed thing. What it's saying to us with great intensity is you're not doing things that matter. You're not doing things that matter. And so the literal understanding helps us understand if we're gonna have the best possible year, then we've gotta understand that this is what it's all about, that apart from Jesus, nothing. With Jesus, everything. You remember what Paul said? You can do all things who strengthen me, through him who strengthens me, we got that right? But now, did you know that before Paul said that, he said, I've learned to be content with little or with much. So the concept here is if I can, if I can get content with what I have, then I could do everything through Christ, but apart from Christ, I can't do anything. You got it? Are you with me? Nod with me. I mean, because I, I, y'all are, I know it's, just, it's a slow morning. I got it. All right. But if we get that, then we know what is it we have to do to make this happen? We have to guard our heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Now we know the course of our life is the direction that we're headed in, right? But the course is also the direction we've been. So it's like when you get in your car today, if you're going to someplace special, you might punch in an address and your GPS will find those coordinates, but it starts off with where you're at. So the course here that we're talking about, if we're going to determine the course of our life, then we better guard our heart because the course of our heart is gonna direct the course of our life, right? So the scripture here is saying, for us to have the best possible year here, we better get our heart right because within that, we are in trouble. Now, watch this. The, the story goes, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store, there's the word right there, store my commands in your heart. Now, now when I start thinking about storing commands in my heart, I have to remember that this text was written from a daddy to a son, Okay. Now you say, well, Chuck, what does that have to do with me in 2022? Watch this. When we understand the context in which it was written, we can understand the context in which it was sent. All right? So the context in which it was written was a daddy telling a son, listen, never forget the things I have taught you. Well, what is the context that comes to me today? Well, all we have to do is understand that if it's a dad to a kid, Now watch how cool this is. You get rid of all of my stuff going on here and dad becomes God and kid becomes you. And so you'd read this text and you'd say, my child, this is God speaking, never forget the things that I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now we get the concept of storing, right? I mean, but the picture here from the text is not just, hey, put them in there, put them in there, label them, know where they're there, pull out the file and know how to use them. All right, this is the difference. See, you know, when you were a kid and you might go to Awana and you won lollipops for memorizing a piece of scripture, anybody do that? 
Yeah, or when you were a kid growing up, like we did Bible drills, like, you know, the fastest kid that could do that. You know, the weird thing is most of those kids couldn't tell you, you know, where Matthew is to save their life because the lollipop was the payoff. Are you with me? But now here's the issue. The beautiful thing is that God is saying to you, hey, my kid, don't forget these things. Now, what are these things? This is the things. This here, all right? The Bible, this, this is the thing. So like if you're new to this whole church thing or Christian thing, what God is saying is what I want you to store up in your heart so that you can file and retrieve and understand so you can put it to use, I want you to put those things in your heart. These are the things that I want you to do because when you do that, inside of here, I've got some commands, now, there's a difference between a wish and a command. You know, I, I wish Jenny wanted me to have a boat. <laughs> a command is Jenny said, you can finally go buy a boat. Are you with me? Now, the good news is she couldn't care less whether I have a boat or not. But a command says, don't just store them. Store them because you're going to need them. Store them because I, I want to use that in your life some way. You say, well, but Chuck, to do all that and walk with Jesus, why Jesus? Well, Zacchaeus is the perfect example. Zacchaeus, he was a rotten, scum thief. I mean, the the whole city hated him. You know why? He was a Jew that was conscribed into Roman activity to steal money from his people to give to their oppressors. And he did it with great zeal. And he was a thief and a crook, and they hated him. He was the chief of all sinners in town. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he knew Jesus was coming by and he was a short dude. So he wanted to see what was going on. So he climbs up the sycamore tree and Jesus stops, looks up at Zacchaeus, the chief of all sinners and says, come on down, we're gonna go to your house. Now the text literally says, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house. Now, this is something that I think is super cool. All right, watch with me. If you already checked out, watch the screen and check this out. Here you are. You're very happy, right? And for some of you, you have a little hair, all right? For some of you, you have a hat. Now watch with me. There you are up in the tree because you know my life's a mess, but you know I need to do something about it. And Jesus is stopping by Sugar Hill today. What am I gonna do? Then Jesus stops, looks up at you in the tree All right? I don't know where I went. Anyway, (laughs) how did I do that? That was awesome. I love technology. Okay, here we go. I got you now. Whoop, almost. Okay. This man, though, Jesus stops and does this. He says, hurry. Watch this. He says, hurry to Zacchaeus. This is one of the few times that Jesus uses this term. I mean, at no point do you see Jesus and his disciples hurrying to get somewhere. At no time do you see Jesus running from town to town. Not one time in scripture do we ever record Jesus saying, boys, we got to go. At no time do we see Jesus thinking, I'm running late. I got to hustle. You know what? Jesus, Jesus walked. And, and, the, and the concept behind walking is when you can walk and carry on a conversation, I'm not talking like I'm walking to get fit, but I'm talking I'm just walking then you can have a conversation. But you know, if you're walking faster than about three miles an hour, unless you're like super fit, you know, you, you're going to have a hard time with a convo because you're breathing like, right? Jesus says, hurry, but watch this. He says, hurry 
because I'm going to stay with you. You see, we're the ones that are hurried to him because when we get there, he's going to stay with us. Do you see that? And the people got all bent out of shape. You know who got most bent out of shape? The most religious people in town. You know why? Jesus showed up and how dare him, he hung out with a thief and a crook. And, and they really got ticked off. He said, and, and, they, and he eats with them. Probably barbecue. With corn pudding, macaroni and cheese, Brunswick stew, cornbread, honey butter. Are you with me? And they're like, how could he possibly be the son of God? He hangs out with those creeps. But now this is the most beautiful thing. Jesus, while he's dealing, extends a kindness to the likes of Zacchaeus. And that's precisely what made it so scandalous. Like if Jesus chose to come to the earth on 2022 right now, I wonder where he would go hang out. I mean, he might hang out where some of y'all were last night. And, and you might be like, whoa. But Jesus is here, but nobody's supposed to know I'm here. But there he was. Like, do y'all really think Jesus would show up in the church house today, or do you think he'd be downstairs, downtown with some homeless people who we pass by and write off his bombs? Do we think Jesus would go to a white church today, or would he be downtown with people of all colors welcoming them into the kingdom of heaven? Would, you, would, Jesus, would Jesus hang out at the Bible study, or did he stop by the strip club? You say, Chuck, that is scandalous. I can't believe, my child is in the room. I can't believe you'd say that. Well, that's what, exactly what he did. He went and hung, hung out with people. And you say, well, why would he do that? Because Jesus doesn't discriminate between good people and bad people because he knows we're all bad people. But he discriminates between humble people and proud people. That's because you matter. I mean, think about Zacchaeus. One of the most remarkable things about Jesus is that he goes to and hangs out and has an affection and gentleness, not for religious people, but for people who the world calls sinners. That's what the church world calls them, sinners. You know what I've learned growing up as a kid? Sinners is a good word, but the problem with it is we use it in one of those us versus them kind of temptations. It's saints versus sinners. It's those people. I want you to stop and think, who do you know right now is the most notorious sinner? Just think in your head, just who is it? And some of you are saying, the guy three reps in front of me right now. <laughs> some of you are saying, that lady, no poor us. But if you thought about anybody other than you, this sermon's for you. Because see, Jesus came for the likes of people as whacked out as I am. This man welcomed sinners, the scribes and Pharisees said. Jesus turned his attention to people that were accustomed to being ignored, mistreated, discarded, and despised by the public. And if you were sick, poor, sexually damaged, mentally ill, emotionally unstable, or paralyzed by guilt and shame, Jesus would move toward you and tell you what nobody else would, that you, my friend, you matter. And you say, but Chuck, I am so messed up. My marriage is in the tank. My kids hate me. I I can't hold a job down. Nothing's working right for me. Nothing's going for me. But listen to me. Jesus came for people just like you. 
He didn't come from people that were playing fake religion. He didn't come from people faking their lives with him. He came from real messed up people. And you say, but is that a sinner? Well, let me ask you a question. If you've got a phone, take it out, take a picture of you, and you got a picture of what a sinner looks like. You say, well, Chuck, that is mighty haughty. No, listen, I could fill my memory card up with pictures of me as the chief sinner. Because I'll promise you, I am. If you're Zacchaeus, you don't say in shock, Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. Instead, you say with wonder and awe, Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with me. See, walking with Jesus shows us three things. I I love this. It, It shows us who we really are. A person that is imperfect, created by a God who is perfect. And the distance between perfect and imperfect is eternity. And yet God says, I love you in your imperfection, and I'm not asking you to get all your junk right. I'm going to meet you right where you are. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to send Jesus, the one we've been talking about. I'm going to send him so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be close to perfect. You can be as normal as you are, and I'll meet you right where you're at. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to change who you are. Just leave all that up to me. You, you don't have to act like church people. You, you don't have to tote a Bible. You don't, all you got to do is trust me. When, when God, the perfect one, and us, the imperfect people, meet Jesus, he bridges the gap from where we are all the way to where he wants us to be. And in the middle of that, we figure out who we really are. Because once we do, we can figure out who he really is. You know, when I figure out who Jesus really is, what I know is if I'm going to have the very best year of my life, it's going to include walking with Jesus. Are are you with me? Because if I'm not walking with Jesus, I'll promise you, I have no hope of having the best year of my life. Now, I could chase after things. I I could go pick up a side gig. I could chase after money. I could chase after all kinds of things, fame and fortune. But at the end of the day, what I've discovered is if I'm not walking with Jesus, all the things, remember where we started, that don't matter, I can get. But all the things that matter, I'm going to miss. Now, I don't know about you, but man, listen, I don't have much time left on this earth. I want to chase after things that matter. I, I want to go, I want to do stuff that matters. I want to walk with Jesus and see miracles. I want to see people healed. I want to, pe- I want to see people come to faith. I want to see families that are come back together. I want kids that choose to come back home. I want drunkards to give it up. I want addicts to walk clean. I want Jesus to show up. I'm tired of doing church without Jesus showing up. But if we're going to do that, we got to walk with Jesus because then what's going to happen is we're going to see what we really can be in him. You say, yeah, well, Chuck, you know how the argument goes. All you Christians, you talk with talk, but you don't walk the walk. You doggone right we talk with talk and walk, don't walk the walk. I mean, if y'all walked around with me the whole week, you know what you'd be saying? I cannot believe that guy's my pastor. What a creep. The Huffington Post, not exactly, you know, a bastion of, you know, religious authority, has a contributor by the name of Francis Maxwell. Listen to what Francis Maxwell wrote in the Huffington Post. Ah, Christianity in America, or should I say the single greatest cause of atheism today. The type of people who acknowledge Jesus with their words and deny him with their lifestyle. You know what I've learned? To walk with Jesus, you have to swallow this big, rotten, stinking pill that every single Christian is a hypocrite, period. Chuck, not me. No, 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 no. Well, that's what Peter said too. No, 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 not me. That's that's what Judas said too. 
Well, no, 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 that's what John said when he fell asleep. I mean, come on. no, 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 no. That's when Noah pitched drunk. No, 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 no. That's when Abraham just denied his wife. Do I need to keep going? Jesus didn't come into the world to affirm and accept good people, y'all, but rather to rescue and receive people who aren't good, like us, like me and you. But being a faith of grace, Christianity doesn't have a whole lot to say to people, whether religious or secular, who build their lives and identities upon the idea of being good or virtuous. Listen to this. Paul wrote, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The apostle Paul wrote, of whom what? I am the worst. This guy wrote most of the New Testament, had a radical transformation, was the second greatest preacher of all time. People still today are flocking to Christ because of the words that he penned through the Holy Spirit. And he said, but I'm the worst. This is why we walk with Jesus because what the way we know the worst is here we are and here God is. And we're comparing us versus him. He is perfect. We are not. That's the only comparison you've got. There's no measuring scale between that. We are imperfect. He is perfect. He goes on to say, none is righteous. No, not one. No one does good. Not even one. Not even you. But what did people say of Jesus? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied, those who are well, I have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You're in great company. You're a sinner that he came to meet and to live with and to walk with. And, he, and we're worried about whether we dress right to go to church or we say the right things or we pray the right way or we read the right Bible version or we go to the right denomination or we agree with the right preacher. And all the while, Jesus is saying, would you get rid of all that garbage and know your only job is to walk with me? That's your only job. Do you see the pattern here? To walk with Jesus means that we take on his heart, his actions, his mannerisms, and his passions. To walk with him is to, as Zacchaeus found out, we are all sinners, we're all hypocrites, but to have our very best year, we have to settle who we are. Lost people that are sinners, created by a perfect God, living imperfect lives, and we need something to bridge the gap, and it's called Jesus. Simple. You don't get that right? Chase after everything else? You're never going to find the satisfaction found in Scripture, period. We settle who he is, the Savior of the world who came to give us life in abundance and life forever. Here we are. You like my little man? And when we choose Jesus, we make a U-turn with our life. Once we were headed our way, now I'm going to turn around and I'm headed toward God. I'm going to live his way. That's, just, that's what repentance is. Repentance is literally just saying, I'm, I'm going to stop going my way. So how do we do that? Well, it's pretty simple. We remember his teachings. Now, this is the key phrase right here. Now, watch me. I use a devotional too. And for those of you that use devotionals, hear me. We are not to remember those who write devotionals. We're remembering the scripture that God gave us. You can read every devotional. I mean, trust me. Jesus called. He wants his scripture back. It's not about what she wrote. It's about the God she writes about. 
You, devotionals are not a replacement for Scripture. We remember his teachings. We keep, once again, do you see the pattern? His commandments. Now watch this. This is where I get the teachings. This is where I can learn to store the commandments. And then we remain and we abide in him. But now that's one of those phrases. It's like, Chuck, I don't even know what that means. How in the world? I don't know how to stay. I don't know how to abide. I don't know how to rest in Jesus. Preachers like you say that kind of stuff, but I nod my head. I agree with that. I might even say amen, but I walk out the door. I have no stinking idea what you're talking about. Okay, so watch this. I want to get ridiculously practical, all right? Read this with me. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, just a little louder for the Methodists in the back row. You ready? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, now watch this, all right? What do we know that God separates? Pride from humility, right? Because he opposes pride, but he gives this beautiful picture of grace, that which we don't deserve, to the humble. So when you walk with Jesus, what do you learn to do? Walk humbly. What did Micah say? Oh, wait a minute. One of the three things God desires and requests and demands of us is that we walk humbly. You know, what's amazing to me is I have no reason to be pride-filled, but yet I am. Isn't that amazing? That we humans have the ability to so pre-proud of ourselves and forget that apart from God, we can do nothing. Has it ever occurred to you that the reason, Daryl and I were talking before the service, that literally the reason suffering exists in the world, that without suffering, we would never turn to God because we are so full of ourselves. You say, well, Chuck, okay, back to the how do, I, how, do, how do I obey the commandments, how do I store them in my heart, and how do I abide? All right, so decide your trigger this week, all right? Decide your trigger. So your trigger might be this. Every time you open your car door, uh, maybe every time you start your car, maybe every time you go turn on uh, the radio in your car, uh, could be every time you look in the mirror, could be every time you get a glass of water, whatever your trigger is for the day, you decide for the next seven days, I'm gonna build a streak. I'm writing a book right now called Streaking with Jesus. You gotta love that, right? Because let's face it, all of y'all thought, look at here, look at here, but that's not it, right? Streaks as in habits, right? You see the little habit tracker I drew in the first hour? Okay, so now watch this. If God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, then what we need to do is build Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a tracker that says, whatever it is my trigger is, every time I do that, I'm gonna say this word out loud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right? Now you say, well, Chuck, where am I going to find that? All right? James 4, 6, right? Put it on your cell phone. Have a reminder wherever you go. Write it down. Put it in a card. Put it in front of you. And all through the week, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You say, well, Chuck, why did you pick that one? You can pick whatever you want. This is the beauty of the freedom in Christ. You can pick whatever your thing is. You know what I need to be reminded right now? That God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. You say, but Chuck, it can't be that easy. Yeah, sure it is. All right? Let, let me give you another one that I, I, this just absolutely blows my mind. What if you decided that I'm going to build a, a, a set of streaks, right? And just like I drew before, I'm, I'm, I do it in my phone. By the way, there's an app called Streaks, all right? You go you Google App Store, uh, uh, you know, Apple Store, and literally you can build whatever streaks you want, all right? So let's say your streaks are, I'm going to read, I'm going to read my Bible. That is a weird looking Bible, all right? All right, I'm, I'm going to pray. Those are hands, all right? And, and down here... I'm going to be nice. 
okay? And then you got the days of the week, right? And you decide, okay, so I, I want this scripture back to James. I, each day, every time I hit that trigger, I did that. That's a streak, right? Then you say, well, I'm going to read the, the one chapter of the gospel, of, or I'm going to read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every day. You say, Chuck, do you really think I've got time to read a chapter of Proverbs? So I timed it, roughly six and a half minutes, right? Six and a half minutes. So Chuck, I do not have six and a half minutes. Well, I would argue that you just need to get out of bed a little earlier, but that's okay. If you don't, if you don't think you have six and a minutes, listen to it. Chuck, do you, I don't have time to listen to it. Do you know that podcast I got to catch up on? I don't have time for that. Wait a minute. But this says, according to the book of Proverbs, that when you do these things, when you store these in your heart, that not only do you have a lengthy life, but you have satisfaction in that life. And you say, but I've got a podcast. And I'm saying to yourself, well, it's no wonder you're miserable. You're not even willing to take six and a half minutes to store these things up in your heart. You say, Chuck, that is cold. That is harsh. No, I mean, that's truth. I mean, that's truth, Mitch. Come on. So then you say, okay, so God opposes the proud, but, you know, gives grace to the humble. All right, I'm, I'm going to read, Chuck, just seven days, right? I mean, you're not 30 days, no, it's seven days. Yeah, just between now and next, next Sunday, all right? Just as simple as that, all right? And then the last one, in following Jesus' model, we need to step toward people in need because they're everywhere. You see, the reason why we believe that we're a Jesus is enough kind of church, that we believe that when you get this scripture in your heart, it will begin to change your nature to the point that it activates your faith so that you want this to be stored in your heart, that you build these streaks of spiritual maturity all to the point of serving people in need because that's what you do when you walk with Jesus. If you want to walk with Jesus, you're going to stop a lot and help people in need. And they're going to be people that you're going to think, would, if I help them, they're going to go use that money and, 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 and buy drugs. I'm not going to do it. Okay, let me just stop and say, what they do with it is not your problem. It's whether God told you to do it or not. And if you, if you decide not to do it, that's between you and the Lord. But I'll promise you, the minute that you don't activate what Jesus is calling you to do and speak into your life when you walk with him, the minute you do that, you've chosen to take a detour and walk without him for a while. Now, he's always on the path. He, he's always there. You can always catch up to him. You can always walk with him. But watch me. If you want to get out in the, in the briars, you want to get out where you're lost, you want to get out where bears eat you and snakes bite you, Okay, get off the path with Jesus and head that direction. Start doing your own thing. And you say, but Chuck, God hadn't called me to help people. Well, then listen, that means that you're literally not saved and don't know Jesus from apple butter. Ouch. Chuck, it's supposed to be a sweet time. But listen to what the scripture says. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Look at this word, remain. Remain. In my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There was a time in my life without Jesus, I was wandering with nothing. And there he was knocking on the door of my heart. And now I have the capacity to do anything in him. Because without him, 
I can do nothing. To have the single greatest year of my life, you know what I've got to do? I've got to walk with him. How do I do that? I get this in my life. I store it where I can use it. I learn the command that if I walk with him, I can be fulfilled and contented in my journey. And then when I work with him, what's going to happen is I'm not running so fast that I blow past people in need. We stop and help people in need because that's what you do when you walk with Jesus. You say, well, Chuck, you know what? I'm not sure that's what I want to do. When we serve and love one another, especially those that are unlovely, we're walking closely with Jesus. You know what he said about that? And the king will say, I love, the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And that's what it looks like, love. Not love people the same color, not love people of the same socioeconomic class, not love people who agree with you politically, just love. Just love. So to have the very best year, we, we have to consistently be remembering his teachings, consistently serve others. And then finally, to learn to be with him, to abide with him, do you remember what Jesus said? Because this is like marrow in the bone. Don't miss this. He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on and he says, but when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. You're not faking it anymore. And you say, but Chuck, I don't, I don't want to look like a church person. Fine, don't. Church, I don't, I, Chuck, I don't want to act like a churchy person. Fine, don't. Chuck, I don't, I don't want to look like a pastor. Please don't. Chuck, I, I'm artsy. I'm, I'm fun. I'm the life of the... Fine, but love Jesus. I am so certain that you can love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and not look like a church person. You just got to get Jesus in the right priority of your life to learn to be with him. I'm the vine. You are the branches. But now watch this. I, I think this is a big, big deal. And I'll wrap up with this. We're a people who love intensity. But we're not a people who do consistency well. I mean, it's kind of, it's, you set a goal. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run a marathon next week. Seriously. It took me two seconds to make the goal. But could I just say to you, that ain't happening. I couldn't walk a marathon next week. But I, but I could walk 10 more minutes every day. I'm going to memorize the book of Romans. No, you're not. But I could, I could remember a little passage from James. That God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But, I, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose 100 pounds I'm going to buy some stuff and I'm, I'm going to eat stuff that tastes like junk. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. But you never show that I, I made healthy choices. I mean, you know what we do? Like social media is good at this. We, we show the lady who ran the marathon and lost 100 pounds, but we don't show her rolling out of bed looking like death on day three that's sore and can't move at all and she's eating like one egg for breakfast. 
We don't see that picture. We see 100 pounds later and her crossing the finish line because we love intensity. But I promise you in the scriptures is teaching us over and over again, we need to learn to live consistency. Because when you live consistency, you can walk with Jesus at three miles an hour and you can teach and you can learn and you can hear and you can understand. The science says that we have the ability to learn new neuropathways in our brain just like Romans 12 teaches us to do, to change the way we think. Why? Because then you'll know God's perfect will for your life. So when we walk with Jesus and we move in that direction, you say, but Chuck, how do I do this? Well, let me go back. Start building streaks in your life with a streak tracker in these three areas, and then watch how God begins to unpack your very best year. But Chuck, tell me one more time. Pick a verse like James. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What's your trigger? Every time I open my car door, I'm going to say it. You say, well, Chuck, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. That's why you need streaks, right? Which I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to read one chapter of Proverbs every day for a week. Not 30 days, not for a year. For a week. I can do that. I can, I can read a chapter in six and a half minutes every day. And then the third one. Make a list tonight before you go to bed and call it a day. Who is it tomorrow you're going to be an encouragement in the name of Jesus to so that they can see Christ in you? I didn't say go knock on somebody's office door, look in their door and say, do you know for sure if you were to die, you go to heaven? I am not saying that. I'm saying would you just simply be an encouragement in the name of Jesus to somebody? And watch when you build those streaks how they become more and more like you're walking with Jesus. Because to abide in Christ daily requires dependence on the Spirit of God to walk at the pace of Jesus, to walk by faith, to spend focused time and engage in intentional actions. You see, friends, consistently we're to be remembering his teachings consistently we're to serve others and finally we're to abide and remain in him and to do that we're going to stop and serve people now you could say well then chuck if that's the key to my very best year i'm in then know this tomorrow morning satan's going to scream at you and say no that's not right it's not that easy but i'll promise you the spirit of the living god He's the one that has authority. Satan has power, but he doesn't have any authority over you. Don't give it to him. Listen to the Spirit of God when he says, I want you to have your very best year. Trust me. Walk with me. Consistently remember my teachings. Store them in your heart. Consistently serve others. And just hang out with me. Just trust me. Walk with me. And watch what we'll do. Father, thank you that in your word, we find every answer to the problem in this life calls us to walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to finish today with a time of communion. And for those of you that are up against a clock and need to get somewhere, I, I totally get it. It's, it'll be brief. But I couldn't think of a better way to finish speaking about walking with Jesus than what it is like to come to the Lord's table. People ask me every time we do communion, they'll say, Pastor, why do we do communion? Why don't we pass plates and uh, have guys that are dressed up that do it? And why don't we do all that? It's theological for me. I believe there's something healthy about the action of faith, that we actively 
do two things and then add a third. The first one is we actively, our prayer sounds like this. God, would you search my heart? Point out anything in my life that's sinful or blocking having this relationship with you. Would you point it out so I can just ask you to forgive me? Do that right now. It's actively. God, point out any wicked way in my heart. That's what King David said. Then secondly, think of any relationship you may have right now that, boy, it's it's not centered in Christ. It doesn't feel Christ-like. Things are out of sorts. But you want to make that right. Just ask the Lord, Lord, would you you give me the strength to make that right? Stop trying to prove I'm right. Just make, make things right. And the third activity is we literally come to the Lord's table. I, I, I know much of it feels ceremonial, but there's something about coming to the Lord's table, believing that you can leave all that junk for him and leave with his body and his blood that was broken and shed for you. What a trade. All my garbage for all his glory. There are tables all around the room. Why don't you start coming to the table? You grab one of these little packs, and at the top it's got a little piece that you peel back, and it's got a wafer that falls out. Then right underneath it, you just break open the juice. You begin to come now. What I love about communion is, as y'all can tell, for me, and here at church, It's not about pomp and circumstance. It's not about how we do it. Jesus, Jesus, he instructed us to remember not to dress up in pointy hats and act like we're better than anybody else. I'm no more worthy to serve communion than I am to take communion. The good news is Jesus says we all are. So I can imagine on the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples and he was describing to them that his body was to be broken and his blood was to be shed. And I can just imagine how those disciples were thinking, I'd never let that happen. I'd never let that happen. And then before you know it, Judas had betrayed the Lord. Peter had denied the Lord. And the rest of them had gone and hidden from the Lord. But he took the bread and he said, when he broke it and blessed it. Father, let us be reminded that you, the Lord Jesus, came here to span the gap between God's perfection and our imperfection. Jesus, thank you that you let your body be broken and your blood be spilled so that by just simply calling on your name and asking you to step into our life, you could change the course and direction of our life simply because you loved us. So for this broken body, we thank you and praise you. And they ate. And then Jesus took the cup. And you can only imagine how confused they were at the time. Wait a minute, Jesus, the bread is a picture of your body that's going to be broken. And you're saying, but notice it was broken and it was blessed. And then he took the cup and that he had that red, royal, ruby 
wine that was in that cup that was a picture of his blood. It was a picture of his blood because without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. And he took the cup and he said, now when you drink this, forever and always, remember me. And they drank. And I bet they were tired and worn out and ready to go. But they sang. Zach, let's sing. Come on, stand with me. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, church. Come on, church. because my friend he is always good and you are always loved always listen when a life gets difficult and dark don't run away from him let him come behind you and pick you up and carry you not around the problem but right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on his two feet on your two feet wipe away your tears let him wrap you up in his big loving arms pull you close to him so you can see your Savior eyeball to eyeball and you can hear him say to you, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.